All right, on your way to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. And oftentimes, uh, Sunday school dovetails with morning service so well. Uh, it was an amazing thing. And um, listening to Dan sharing what the Lord had laid on his heart this morning, and uh, he posed the question of why this verse was placed right where it was in the chapter. And I said, because it's what I'm preaching this morning. Uh, you know, God just laid it out just perfect. So uh, if you were here with us this morning, Paul had given some instructions to the rich okay, in, in the church, church scenario through Timothy, t- telling young Timothy about how, um, how to handle earthly wealth. Okay, and it was just amazing to give it some illustrations there. Uh, well, today we're going to be dealing with something very similar, uh, and uh, I want to uh, head that up. So there's a change here. We get done with chapter 5. In chapter 5, uh, the Lord Jesus had spoken to us about several illustrations on making sure that our righteousness isn't measured by things like the Pharisees measured their righteousness. That the Pharisees were taking Old Testament law and trying to live by the very letter of the law and thinking as long as they accomplished that one thing in their life that they could consider themselves righteous and consider themselves pleasing to God. And we saw that Jesus was reminding them over and over that, no, you guys aren't getting it. It's not just about not murdering someone. There's much more to it than that. It's not just about not committing adultery. There's much more of a heart attitude than that. Uh, So this morning, I'd like us to uh, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read, even though the the context of the passage is through verse 18, I want to only read the first few verses together. Take heed that you do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward. Um, You have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Wherefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms might be in secret, and that thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, already this morning my mind has been a little messed up, and some of the things seem to be stumbling over my own words. But Father, I thank you that it's not about my teaching ability, It's not about my speaking ability. Father, your word is the truth, and your Holy Spirit guides us to where we need to be. So this morning, Lord, we're dependent upon that 100%. Father, I just pray that you would give us clarity as Jesus has moved on from uh, that letter versus spirit of the law and gets to more practical approach here. Lord, just uh, help us see Lord, the difference in the way we can serve you versus the way the Pharisees were doing it. So, Father, just uh, bless your word. Thank you so much. Lord, it's a privilege to be here to sing songs unto your name. You are certainly worth it. And, Father, I just pray that uh, as we are opening our hearts to you now, that you would give us what we need so that we can live differently today, tomorrow. Father, we have that sign on the back of the auditorium for a reason. 
We want to leave here differently than we came. Lord, to be more like you. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's get to our slides here this morning. I didn't title this yet. I will title it next week because if I title it, I'd let the cat out of the bag right away and you can all go home. All right, no, I didn't. Um, so we'll look at the first slide. Just a review. Jesus is continuing on the Sermon on the Mount, and there are so many times uh, that people look to this as probably one of the, the most pertinent passages in the Bible. Some churches and religious groups base everything they do on this passage, and they don't even bother reading Old Testament or anything else because that's how weighty this passage is because Jesus is giving instruction. But we have been very careful to remind ourselves that Jesus is still presenting a kingdom that has righteousness that is higher than what the Jewish leadership was doing. Now, please remember, this is, and I'll have a slide up there in a minute that reminds us of this. This is a Jewish Messiah presenting Jewish tenants and Jewish uh, scope of a kingdom for the upcoming physical reign of Jesus here on this earth with his people. Matthew himself is writing this book for the purpose of reminding the Jews who Jesus was. He was the king that had been promised. All right? The book of Matthew is not a book written to the church. All right? As a matter of fact, none of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written to the church. Now, can we learn a bunch of things from that? Absolutely. And we went through this in the beginning of the study of Matthew that though talks about a New Testament doesn't take force until the death of the testator. You don't go to the lawyer and try to get your inheritance from your father's will if your father's still alive. Right? It only comes to you when that person has passed. That's why we understand this is Jesus speaking. He is still here with the disciples. This is not under the church scope. This is still more of an Old Testament teaching, okay? When we talk about, and I'll mention this several times this morning, the church epistles, which is what God opened the mind of the Apostle Paul and allowed him to write most of those books which are geared toward teaching us the church on what we should do. That's why they are literally called the church epistles, okay? We'll address that because something we're talking about this morning you don't find anywhere in the church epistles, you only find that here when speaking to the people who are the, uh, from a Jewish culture. That should teach us something, all right? So just keep those things in mind. This is a Jewish slant. So Matthew is saying, um, hey, Israel, remember that Messiah guy that was, we were t waiting for for all those years? Jesus is him. He is the one, okay? That's where Matthew is coming from. So much of Matthew's writing is for that purpose. Now, keep going. All of chapter 5 was dedicated to understanding the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Talked about that, that they were keeping one little part. Like I said, oh, I don't kill anybody. But God says, listen, if you look down on somebody, if you hate somebody, if you have an attitude towards somebody, that that violates this as well. He says, I haven't committed adultery. You know, I've never slept with anybody I wasn't supposed to. And Jesus goes ahead and says, yeah, but if you've even lusted after somebody. As a matter of fact, if you have unchecked lust in your life that you can't control, that you are continuously struggling and failing in that area, you're blowing it. So not about just touching another person who's not your spouse. Jesus said there's so much more to that. We talked about cussing, Okay. That when the Bible says swearing, it doesn't mean using foul language. It means if you have to, 
be truthful only by saying, well, I swear on my mother's grave. That he says he wants our lives to be reflecting truth. You shouldn't be a person where you go, I've heard this all before. We need to be people of our word. And that's the teaching. So the Pharisees were saying, listen, we're meeting all the criteria to be righteous. And Jesus said, oh, no, you're not even close. Okay, you're checking off a couple of boxes, but you're missing the entire picture. And part of that, we reminded ourselves, was he's looking for a change from the inside out. Okay, and as much as I'd like to throw that on the Pharisees and, uh, you know, toss them under the bus, unfortunately, this world is full of Christians who act the same way. Okay, we say a lot of things with our mouth that sounds religious, and on a Sunday or a Saturday or something, we might do a few things that are religious, but the rest of the time, has God really gotten hold of us from the inside and it changed us and transformed us? Or are we just conforming our lives for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning? By golly, I better be there at 9.30 when Dan starts teaching, and we'll be there to noon, and then my Christian stuff is done for the week. Or is God working on you on the inside, and because of that, changes are occurring in your life, and you're serving him because you love him, not because it's checking off a couple of boxes. Well, by golly, I have to do this to please God, or God loves me so much he's forgiven me and given me everything. I want to do these things because of who he is. There's a major difference, okay? And that's, so we said a phrase Hopefully you have it memorized now. Let's see if the next slide. How many of you memorize this one now? I told you to. I'm going to quiz you on it. We're handing out a paper. Everybody who can fill it out word for word gets a hundred bucks. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So, um, God is so much more interested in you being who he wants you to be than just doing what he wants you to do. This world is full of people who will religiously do certain things but aren't being the kind of people he wants them to be. Okay, there's a major difference, and this is part of it. Now, I remind us of this because God does a little switch here. So now he says, man, don't just be a person that says, I don't kill. Be a person that doesn't look down at you. Don't just be a person who says, I haven't committed adultery. Be a person who's given your struggles with lust over to the Lord. Don't just be a person who is saying, well, I don't swear to God. Be a person who's truthful. He's asking you to be someone, not just do certain things. But now, because he's listed all these things, Jesus is teaching in this passage, when you do what you do, do it for the glory of God and not for men. So Jesus said, listen, I, I'm not, he doesn't say, be who you want to, uh, I want you to be and don't worry about doing the things you're supposed to. He still wants us to do the right thing. But he wants us to do it because we have the heart to do it. Not just because we're conforming ourselves to a couple of rules that somebody said. Well, a pastor in our church said, you know, I have to sign this paper that says I won't drink and I won't smoke and I won't go to the movies and I won't wear open-toed shoes and I won't wear a skirt. I don't look good in a skirt. But um, I I was in a church like that where we passed out a piece of paper and you had to check off a box and then you handed that to them and said, aren't I super Christian? Because I signed a piece of paper that had a bunch of random letters that said something about promises I'm making. No, God wants it from the inside. He wants you to change who you are. Then you get to do things. So Jesus goes ahead and lists three different things here in the doing range. 
So he says, I don't want you to be this kind of person. And if you happen to do these things, make sure you do those right. So uh, he is looking to make sure that we're not doing it so that people would be impressed with us. We're doing it because it glorifies our God. All right, go keep going. So the three things he lists out for us to do here in this, the beginning of this chapter is number one, alms, prayer, and fasting. Okay, and I already was talking to Dan. I'm not going to cover all three because we wouldn't be out of here till probably one. Okay, we're just going to cover alms today. Okay, and if you're not familiar with alms, what alms are, it is a custom that was more frequent in the Old Testament, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so let's go to the next slide. Oh, skip getting ahead of myself. Okay, so in listing these three things, God gives us the same three phrases, same two phrases in all three of them. Okay, they are, they shall have their reward. So God says, listen, if you're doing it for the praise of men, if you are doing what you're doing so you can get a pat on the back, that's your reward. But, he also says in all three of them, the father that seeth in secret will reward thee openly. If you do it unto the Lord, and not for the praise of men, God who sees it will reward you openly. Okay, so God again is trying to remind us, listen, if you're doing this to get some brownie points from the people around you, consider that your reward. But if you're doing it because it's something you're doing unto the Lord, then just step back and God will bless you. He'll take care of it. Okay, and I wrote the verses down there if you want to look them up later. Uh, verses 2 and 6, verses 5 and 6, and verses 16 and 18. In all three of those instances, alms, prayers, and fasting, God says the exact same thing. Okay, if you're doing it for the praise of men, then you've got your reward. If you're doing it because you know I would want you to do it and it's something you're doing for my glory, I'll bless you for it. All right? Important that we remember this, because Jesus is saying, be who he wants you to be before you do, but now that you're doing, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Because the problem is, we can begin to do and think, well, not enough people are seeing what I'm doing. What a waste if people aren't noticing how much of a blessing I am on God's team. And God says, listen, don't worry about who sees this. As a matter of fact, he uses that old phrase, that uh, was known in the culture of don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Meaning it should be so disconnected that there's, you get it? I mean, that's hard for us to fathom. But God is just trying to say, listen, it shouldn't be something where you're reminding everybody what you're doing. Okay? I, uh, I appreciate our offering plates. And that was something we did a little bit different uh, since COVID. And... Um, we don't write on the board anywhere what you gave, okay? We could have a, one of the, an ATM machine up here, okay? And I tell you, guys who sit in the front row are targets, so Peter's it, man. Peter, you're it. You're a target again. And uh, Peter comes up, punches his name in, slides a $20 bill, and up on the billboard, it goes, ding, 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 Peter gave $20, okay? And you're like, oh, yeah, I can beat that. All right. I walk up, oh, Craig gave $25, ding, 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 you know, we put in the plate to remind folks around us that we're willing to give to God, but none of us are waving out what we're giving. Because it's not about what you're giving, it's about that you are. Okay? That's part of this. We don't do this 
for men's recognition. <gasps> Ooh, they put a check for $500 in the plate this week. Aren't they something special? If you were in Sunday school, we've already covered some of this. If you weren't, get the recording. Because it's amazing when God covers this information. But I want to make sure we're specific when it comes to this book. Okay, We don't work for earthly reward, but for God. He will reward us the way he sees fit. And that's the part that is amazing. You say, Lord... I'm going to do it for you, and you just let him handle what he's going to do. And I'll tell you what, the reward that God gives, I'm a lot more interested in that than the recognition of people. Amen? Okay, keep going. Alms. Now, what is an alm? Okay. An alm was compassion on the poor. Okay? This is the specific. Now, I, I want to be careful with this. Because there are different religious groups, different denominations, different uh, sects of believers that handle this differently. That believe that alms is something you put in an offering plate in your church. That is not what an alm is. Okay, alms were specifically given to poor people. Okay, it was not done within the, the synagogue. It was not done within the temple. Now, a lot of times you'll see in the scriptures, and we'll read in the context one of those verses, where the poor people sat outside the temple. Why did they sit outside the temple? Because the Jews had to give alms as part of their service. So where's the best place for a poor person to sit? Right there where they knew all the Jews were walking in. Okay. Again, this is a Jewish culture, and this is a Jewish commandment. Keep this in your mind. Okay, but here's a few verses of this. Okay, it was giving things to the poor. Number one, but I'd rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. So God is reminding us, an alm is giving something you've got. All right, at that point in time, it may have been money, Okay, or something of that sort. But we'll see it's not only money. Okay? So often when we talk about giving in a religious situation, everybody's mind goes to grab a hold of their wallet. Well, they're asking for money. Okay? He says, it's things that you have. All right, keep going. In Luke chapter 12, he says, sell all that ye have and give alms and provide yourself bags which wax not old. And a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. If you were in Sunday school, Dan stole my, th I mean, uh, stole my thunder in chapter 6. No, where it talks about lay up your treasures in heaven. Well, God says, listen, if, if you want to give alms, sell some of the stuff you have to give to the poor. Okay, keep going. Peter and John didn't have any money, but they gave something much better. Remember, they walk up to the temple, and there's a poor beggar outside asking for alms. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee. Okay? Peter went together into the temple at that hour and prayed, being the ninth hour. Keep going. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and asked alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Keep going. Oh, yeah, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Okay? Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, 
But such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So Peter and John said, we don't have any money to give you, but we can still give you something. And they healed him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, adding a little twist to this, it wasn't necessarily just cash, although I, I find it interesting. All right, I'll say it. Sometimes politically, you got to filter. But uh, you ever drive by one of the corners of the streets around here and you see somebody sitting there saying, we'll work for food or things like that? I find it interesting that this fella here, uh, as soon as they said, hey, man, uh, you're paying attention to me, he's got his hand out for some cash. It's amazing to me how many times panhandlers, you go and hand them a, a bag with food in it, and uh, when they leave, that bag of food still laying there on the ground. All they're interested in is the money. Oh, they turn it down. Yeah, I've seen that many a times where, you know, here I'm hungry. Oh, great, here's, you know, here's some food from the... Uh, no, thanks, not interested. Just cash, please. Um, even God's word sometimes reflects the truth about some people. Now, unfortunately, this guy was lame. He was a poor person. He was there his whole life. But it's just so interesting that automatically in his mind... As soon as somebody paid attention to him, it was hand me cash. And he wasn't expecting something even better than that. Rise up and walk. Amen. But there's the point. It wasn't only cash. As a matter of fact, Tabitha, keep going. Okay, did alms, she called them alms deeds. Okay. Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good work and alms deeds, which she did. So again, the way this word is, is the history of it, this is actual things to help someone, not handing them cash, but serving someone was an alm. All right, you with me so far? Okay, I just want us to understand as we're looking at this in the New Testament, how alms were laid out. Okay, keep going. Paul him, or Cornelius, a Gentile. Now this is very interesting. This, is, this goes to the point we'll make in a few minutes, and I'm reminding us that this was a Jewish custom. Cornelius here surprised people because he was giving alms. This is not something where you walked around and Gentiles, Romans, and other nationalities were doing. This was something that was specifically giving, given for the Jews. Let me put a qualifier out there. The sons of Abraham. Because you want to know another group of people who has this as a part of their daily religious activity are Muslims. Okay? One of the tenets of their faith is they must give alms to the poor. The same as the Jews. It was a religious requirement. Okay? Here, Cornelius, a, Jew, a, a Gentile guy, gave alms. It was not something Gentiles did usually. This wasn't part of their religious culture. Okay. okay, this is a Jewish activity. Notice, not a church activity. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, there was a certain man in uh, Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, that is the Italian band, keep going, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And uh, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius... And when he looked upon him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, 
Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. In verse 31 of the same chapter. And Cornelius, uh, said to Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thy alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Remember God says, if you do it in secret, I'll reward you openly. We're here, Cornelius, the Gentile, was giving alms, and an angel came and visited and said, you know what? Um, God's been watching. You want, I like, God is the ultimate bookkeeper. He knows exactly what you and I are doing. Here he even sends an angel to Cornelius to say, God's been keeping track, and it's a remembrance before the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but I would cherish a meeting like that where I go and meet the Lord face to face or one of his messengers and says, oh, uh, by the way, Craig, God's been paying attention to what you're doing. He remembers. Thank you, Father. That's awesome. What a great... Does he ever feel like sometimes the things we don't do uh, do in life don't seem to make any difference? But... uh, like we said this morning, some of this is we're laying up rewards for a future time. God's got it covered. He's the ultimate bookkeeper. Keep going now. Paul himself, as a Hebrew, said, I give alms to my nation. Okay, now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation in an offering. So Paul shows up at the temple, and he gives alms because he's a Jewish person. All right, you with me so far? This is important that I keep saying it that way. All right, keep going. The word alms is only used in Matthew, Luke, and the beginning parts of Acts, which should tell us something. Okay? This was something that you do not find in any of the church epistles. Because giving to poor people is not a commandment that we have to keep that deals with our spirituality or our righteousness at all. With me so far, please remember one of my favorite verses. I put it up every week, didn't put it up this week. It says that God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior and forgiveness of sins, God takes my sin, and Christ dealt with that, and in exchange, he gives me his righteousness. It has absolutely nothing to do whether I give money to the poor or not. With me so far? This is the the theme we've been going over and over and over. For a Gentile person who is a Christian by the blood of Jesus Christ, None of the commandments that were in the Old Testament matter one bit toward our salvation. What matters is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, remember he says, not by the blood of bull and goats. None of the commandments, nothing, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. The only thing that makes a difference is whether or not you have met Jesus Christ as your Savior and he's given you by his grace his righteousness. Okay, remember that word? We take that word grace and put it in uh, uh, what acronym where it says God's riches at Christ's expense. That's why, how you and I get righteous, not by giving to the poor. Now, are we going to give to the poor still? Hold on to that thought. I'm going to jump ahead of myself. 
Okay, that doesn't mean we don't do it. It's just we're not doing it as a commandment as part of our religious activity. Now, I say that, yet there are churches full of people right now at this very hour who do say that. That say part of their religious service has to be giving to the poor. Okay, if you want a, a really interesting study, just go study the poor in the New Testament. Um, there are only three verses from the end of Acts to Revelation that talk about actually giving to the poor. Because, yes, we're going to do it, but it's not a standard that we have to hold to earn any kind of place with God. We get our reward a different way. All right? Alms is something that is given. It was not given in the temple or the tabernacle or the synagogue. People didn't show up and put their offering into a plate. There are churches today who have a charity that you put money in the church plate and they count that as alms because they're going to turn around and use that money toward the poor. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You want to write a check to the Red Cross, you want to write a check to, you know, Samaritan's Purse or, or the Good Samaritans or anything like that. Fantastic. But please don't be convinced that that adds something to our salvation. It doesn't. It has been sealed 100% in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Now, please, God is more interested in you being than doing. So if you're going to give to the poor, don't worry about broadcasting it in front of everybody because God's watching. He's going to take care of it. But he's more interested in you being than what you do. Oh, my word, I, I didn't give my, you know, I, I lost my job and I can't offer the same amount of money we used to offer. What is, what is God must hate me. Other people here, and again, I love your heart, but there's people who come to me and say, see, Pastor, I was laid off and I can't put in the offering plate what I used to. And they seem so depressed about it. And I said, thank you so much for wanting to give to the Lord. That's awesome. But God knew you lost your job. God over and over says, give as you are able. Well, if he makes you unable, you don't worry about it. We, we, and again, this was a, a, an amazing point in Sunday school, we as human beings put so much weight on money. And it shouldn't be that way, especially in God's church. Okay, so keep going. Do not use your alms before men. Now what happened, well, how far did I get here? Okay, it doesn't mean if anyone ever sees you or what you've done, then you're in trouble. Okay, oh my word, somebody saw me give to a poor person. Ah, that ruins it. Okay, have a, remember when God several times pointed out what different people give. This just means you're not doing it, flaunting it in front of people. Okay, I'm sorry, if you give to a poor person, the poor person knows you gave. Right? Here, here's a 20, knock him out first and then slide it in his pocket so he didn't see you. Okay, we're not talking about something silly. We're talking about the attitude of the heart. Why are you doing it? 
because of something, and I love what we were talking about in Sunday school, man, uh, where God talks about this liberal giving, where Dan pointed out that verse, that, uh, the phrase that Paul wrote that says, listen, if, if you think that uh, there's something that you can cover, just cover it. Just do it. Just say, I got it. God's blessed me. Boom, it's done. That money isn't that important. But uh, how many times have we heard the phrase, the Bible verse that says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not because we shouldn't have cash in our pocket, but because we are so fixated on it that it can dictate everything we do. And God's saying, listen, don't you give like you're giving to me and don't worry about the rest of it. Okay? It is an attitude. It is not about whether or not somebody saw you do it. Okay? And that's why there's a real difference in some churches. Some churches have a giving box on the back. And people can do that little stealth giving, you know, they're like, dun, 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 dun. and they head out the door, nobody saw me give, because, you know, somebody saw me give, and then it ruins it. It's like, no, as a matter of fact, if you study the Old Testament, every offering was offered before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, where the entire group, the entire congregation of Israel saw it. If you were bringing a bullock, you walked that thing right up to the priest, and every Jewish within eyesight saw you doing it. Okay? It didn't ruin it. It's the heart attitude. So that's why we like having the plates up front because it's nice to show God's family that you love the Lord and you want to give. You don't have to walk up and say, it's a 20. A 25. Oh, we're going, hey, give me a 25, and give me a 25, give me a 30. Okay. Keep going. Do not sound a trumpet. Now, there, there's a couple of different cultural thoughts to this. I tend to lean to this one a little bit more than the other. There was another one that said uh, that talked about a giving box on the back, which was shaped like a trumpet, and it was made out of metal, so that any time you were to put coinage in it, everybody in the planet knew that you were doing it. Uh, I tend to lean away from that one a little bit, because culturally you weren't supposed to give it in a box. You were supposed to give it to a poor person. This is more like what culturally... The Pharisees and other religious people would go into the streets and sound a trumpet and let everybody know, I am here. Come, I will hand out money. Okay? And all the poor people would gather around and they would hand out their alms to make a big show so that everybody saw the fact that they were there to give out funds. Uh, it reminds me, one of my all-time favorite movies is McClintock. I don't know if you remember McClintock, good old John Wayne movie, you know, and uh, what was his name? Bunny comes up. Every time McClintock comes around, Bunny's going, oh, throat's a little dry this morning, chief, you know. So he, ah, here, Bunny flips him, a, you know, a dollar coin or something. Just every time he showed up, he's ready to, oh, you know, stomach's a little empty, you know, just, that's kind of how it was. These folks would show up and ring a bell and announce that they were there to hand out their alms. That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't be like the Pharisees. If that's the kind of recognition you want, that's your reward. That's why God says do it in secret. He's not talking about you have to be, you know, nobody can see it. But don't stand out in the middle of the street and sound a trumpet and invite, anybody looking for money, free money, you know. I'd show up and I'm not even poor. Okay. Keep going. Jesus says they have their reward. We're to do it unto the Lord. 
Proverbs gives us the instruction. He that pitieth uh, upon the poor lendeth to the Lord, and that which he hath given will he repay to him again. Give, God, give it to the poor, yes, but you do it for the Lord, and God will take care of it. He'll repay. Okay, so it's not something that the Jews hadn't heard before, but Jesus is kind of tweaking the instruction here and saying, make sure that you're doing it for the Lord and not for men. All right, keep going. This is different than lovingly supporting a ministry through tithes, offerings, and missions giving. I want to make this clear. Again, these alms, this was a Jewish tradition from the Old Testament that was given. It is not used in any of the the pastoral epistles or the church epistles. Okay, this is not tithes, offerings, or missions giving. Okay, the tithe and the offering going to support this ministry that we are a part of. That's why we put the funds in the plate so that the lights can be running and things like that. Okay, and missions we give so that the gospel would be shared throughout the world. This was something that was specifically given to poor people. Okay, now I'm gonna gotta roundabout get to this, but Dan reminded us in about seven times during his Sunday school sermon that says we are here for one purpose. What is that purpose? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does handing money to the poor share the gospel of Jesus Christ? It doesn't, does it? Because I know millions of people who give to the poor and have no interest whatsoever to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, could it be an opportunity to do that? Yes. But it's not the purpose behind it. And that's why when we are speaking to the church, remember, These guys in the Old Testament and here in the beginning of the Gospels, their purpose wasn't sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of these guys, when Jesus is giving this Sermon on the Mount, are thinking, oh yeah, this is the guy who's going to die on the cross for our sins and save the whole world through the shedding of his blood. They didn't get that. Jesus is not instructing the church on how to behave. This is spoken to the Jews before they even understand Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we put money in the plate here to support the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth through the world. If you want to hand money to a poor person, that's great. And we should. But unless the motivation behind your heart is, I want to do this because I'm representing my Savior and it might give me the opportunity to share the gospel... What really is the purpose? Other than helping that guy put some clothes on his back or food in his mouth. It's not going anything toward the purpose what we're here for. The missions and the offerings and the tithes that we put here into this ministry are put into that purpose. Hopefully. But you know as well as I do, there are churches all over who look awful pretty. Million, billion dollar buildings all dressed up. And are they preaching the gospel? See, we have to to have the right attitude toward money. Just because a ministry gets tons of money doesn't mean that they are doing the purpose that we are left here to do. That's the focus of this. Jesus is trying to remind us, and Paul's going to tweak this a little bit. So God says, he will reward thee openly. Be careful how we apply this to the church. Christians are rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. 
You know what? Uh, the, the whole passage here, I didn't write it. Tim will go to the next slide. Talks about, you know, there's a fire and you can put through your works and some of it's going to come out gold and silver and precious stones and some of it's going to come forth wood, hay and stubble. Okay, that's not happening right now. That's happening when I stand before the Lord someday. I have a reward. Dan just read it. Chapter, verse 19 of this passage says, Lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break through to steal. Okay, I have a reward coming. I'm not doing the things that I do for Christ, so I will be rewarded here in this world. Are you? Because you know what? If that's the case, the Apostle Paul was a miserable failure because he spent a lot of his mis- uh, ministry in prison. Amen. God must be lying because, you know, I'm donating my life. I'm giving to the poor and I've been spending my, most of my life in jail. Where's my open reward? This is not to the church. This was specifically to the Jews. Now, let me ask you a question. And there's a, this is a, a, a stereotype in this world. But how many people have heard somebody make a joke about Jewish people because of how much money they have and how much investments and all the wonderful things that, you know, I could use a slang, I don't want to, but we've heard it before. As a matter of fact, if you're going to barter with somebody at a yard sale, sometimes the phrase they use is referring to a Jewish person. Because God promised right from the very beginning that he would bless them more than any other group of people. So God says, I'm going to pour my blessings upon you physically. And he says to the Jewish people, because of that, I want you to represent me by sharing those blessings with those who are hurting. This has nothing to do with the church. This has to do with representing of God's people, Israel. Because he was going to abundantly bless them, and he continues to abundantly bless them. If you don't know who in the stock market and who in the gold thing and who in the diamond industry and all these folks who have a very amazing physical monetary blessings because of God, it's the Jewish people and because it's God's promise and he never breaks it. Well, God says, that's part of my deal with you guys as the Jews, so I want you to give to the poor. But that's not his deal with us as the church. He didn't tell the church people that he was going to bless us in that same way. We are blessed spiritually, but he didn't tell us we were going to be blessed the same way that the Old Testament Jews were physically, monetarily. You with me? I know that's a lot of information, but I need to make the difference here because there are churches right around us today that are preaching that this kind of behavior, this kind of alms, this kind of giving should be done in God's church. And it doesn't work that way. We don't give so that we would be blessed abundantly. I don't barter with God. I told you earlier, God's the ultimate bookkeeper. He's keeping track. And I'm going to do it secretly and wait for him to bless. I don't go, all right, Lord. That was 25, 30, 35, 44 that I gave. I'm waiting at least to get my 35 back. Lord, come on, you promised. That is because this promise isn't for you and I as Gentiles in the Christian age, the church age. Okay? Oh, let every man's work be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it shall be. God says, you'll have your reward. There's some day that we'll, I'm going to take the stuff and tally your life and say, look what happened. This is, what a blessing. Okay, and there's more to that passage. You want to go home and read that one? Okay, keep going. 
It's about the motive of the heart. Now, this is a longer passage. I just want to read this one. 2 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church. So how are we supposed to look at this then? Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to give your alms, Jews, to the poor and wait for God to bless you and you're not looking for the pat on the back, God will. But to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he gives a different kind of instruction. It's not based upon blessings. So this instruction to church, and you remember the church of Corinth, one of their biggest struggles was money. They were a very rich church. But they didn't know what to do with all their funds. They weren't handling it right. Well, God gives this instruction to the Apostle Paul to a church. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing but possessing all things. God says this isn't about what you have or don't have, this is about a heart attitude. You might be poor, but you have all things. You might be in distress. You might. Li- it even says you might have uh, the idea of a good report or a bad report. No, no, I know most of us are honest, good Christian folks here. But you know there's people outside in this community who do, li- do not like us. We got a bad report. Is it because we've done something bad? No, a lot of it is because they don't want to listen to a Christian. The whole news cycle right now is full of people who are yelling that Christian morality is something that we don't need to listen to anymore and they're evil, hateful people. When we haven't done anything evil, hateful. We're just standing for what God's word has said for a long time. But you know what? There's people in this world who might consider us deceivers. They might say we have a bad report. Paul says that stuff doesn't matter. It's our heart attitude. How are we serving? Maybe it's imprisonments. Maybe it's in distress or shipwrecks or beating or stripes. You see, for us, we're not worried about giving alms and being blessed by giving alms. We're worried about, Lord, can I be a proper testimony for Christ no matter what my situation? Whether it's good or bad, my 100% goal is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Too often you listen to these preachers who want to talk about a prosperity gospel that, you know, the world will listen to us if we have our bank accounts full and wear $500 suits and drive big fancy cars. And, man, I don't see that in God's word. That's a lie of the devil. Again, basing our work as a church on money. It's never been that way. It's not supposed to be that way. Matter of fact, keep going. God promised to bless his people Israel 
But they were meant, never meant to hoard that blessing. They were to give to the poor because it reflected God's blessing. That's what the Jews did. We were never promised we would have God's blessing. Okay? There are so many Christians right now, and again, I, I, <laughs> it's funny. I, uh, oftentimes in the times where I'm up here speaking are referencing Dan. Like Dan is like the, the, according to the gospel of Dan in Sunday school, but as God lays the same thoughts on his heart, we talked about this morning that Dan was uh, reminding us that, you know, the majority of this world who is a Christian would be considered slave class. Not the upper rich, it's the poor. Christians. Again, take that into account. He never promised physical, earthly riches and blessings on the church the way he did Israel. That's why a lot of times it's not the white-collar folks. It's the blue-collar and low-down-the-chain that winds up being Christians because it's not about finances or funds. Hey, that is a promise given to the Jews. You with me? Please stay with me because, again, if we get tied up at all in this idea that our giving to the poor or giving to the church some puts us in some sort of different strata in God's family, it doesn't. It has never been about how much money we have. You can be a filthy rich person or a very poor person, and you can be just as effective in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? All right, keep going. One little bit more and we're done. Does it mean that Christians shouldn't give to the poor? Of course not. God reminds us over and over that it's something that's good to do, right? Here in Galatians. But it's interesting, along with this, if you study the context, this is where the Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm a, the Apostle to the Gentiles. And Peter and John and James were saying, yeah, but we're, we're called to be Apostle to the Jews. And they gave blessings on Paul and said, okay, we see that God called you to the Gentiles. And they added a caveat. They said, yes, take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's great. And they said, only that they should remember the poor. The same which, also, which I also was forwarded to do. He said, you know what? You're giving the gospel to the Gentiles. That's great. But just make sure you remember the poor when you're doing it. This is advice coming from Jews who were focusing on Jews. I find it interesting that they wanted to make sure that giving to the poor was still being done. But that's an instruction that they'd given as you're reaching the Gentiles. Only care for the poor is not a reflection of what God have done in the Christian slash church. Only, right. This is not necessarily something that God uses to show how you are blessed of God. What happens uh, if we folks don't have a whole lot of money? You feeling me? I'm poverty level or lower, and I can't give a lot to the poor because I am the poor. And by golly, I can't possibly be a proper witness for Jesus because I can't give to the poor the way I should. You see the trap that we can get into? It has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. That's why it's understanding that we need to make sure that finances has nothing to do 
with what our job for reaching the world for Christ. Again, there's a lot of cool things that Paul instructed in Timothy. Listen, you make sure that you don't trust your money. You make sure you're liberal with your money and your giving. You make sure you're sharing with those people that God wants you. If you have a lot, make sure God allows you to use that in this world. But if you don't have a lot, that doesn't affect our ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ one bit. Okay, this is important because... If churches get up and preach this uh, Matthew chapter 6 passage about giving alms to the poor without understanding the context, there's a lot of people who go, but I can't give like that. And they feel like they're a failure. This wasn't written to the church. Not once does it mention alms anywhere in instructions in the church epistles. All right, last little bit here. They'll know we are Christians by our love, not our money. Okay, I love this. The Apostle Paul, um, go ahead and read this one later. This passage is, as a matter of fact, let me turn there. I want to read the context. That's the verse we need to see that's important. But boy, does it spell this out clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 1. We've probably heard this passage before. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can uh, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, the reason I picked this verse is to show the difference here very clearly. The Apostle Paul says, I can give everything to the poor. Isn't that what it says? Though I be so, how many of my goods? All my goods on the poor. That doesn't mean I have charity. You see what it says? He says, I can give all of it and still not have charity. You see the difference? This is the commandment to the church. We are supposed to go to this world with the love of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about giving our body to be burned. It's not about giving all our goods. It's not about anything else. Because, and this is crazy to me. How many of you got your taxes done on time? Or you had to do an extension? We always talk about charitable giving. Right? Well, the Apostle Paul says here, I can give all my money to the poor, and it's still not qualified as charity. Isn't that backwards of how we look at it? Oh, look, I gave all this money to the poor and everything. That's my charitable giving. Because we've misunderstood in our culture sometimes what this means. Charity has nothing to do with what we give. Charity is love. You can go out with absolutely zero in your pocket and still spread the love of Jesus Christ. And that's the key. The Apostle Paul makes it real clear here. I could give everything to the poor and not have charity. It's not about what you have. It's about what you are doing with what you have. Are you and I going out and doing the one thing that God has asked left us here to do? If you opened your eyes today as a believer, you have one reason to be alive. And that's because he wants you to take Jesus Christ and share him with somebody else. If he didn't want us here to do that anymore... Take me home, Lord. 
Because if, if I was here just to glorify God, I'd tell you what, I could glorify Him a whole lot better in heaven. If I was here not to have aches and pains and be happy and content and everything, I'd be a whole lot happier and more content in heaven. There's a lot of things that go on to the other side I can do better than I can do here. But there's one thing I can't do. If I'm in heaven, I can't lead somebody else to Christ. That is the one thing I'm still here to do. So as Jesus has given us instructions, and we're going to look next week at prayer, that there are a lot of people who misuse prayer. And they do it so that people will be impressed with them. And then we're going to look at fasting. And that there are people, remember what the Bible says? Don't make your face, people used to smear dirt on their face and make themselves all look all waif and hungry and because I'm fasting for the Lord. God says, be careful. None of those things have any pertinence on us sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the church. Those were things that God commanded the Jews to do. But you and I, no matter what state we are in, we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket or how much money you handed to somebody else. You with me? I, we are such a spoiled culture when it comes to what we have. And you look around the world at people who are giving their lives 100% for the gospel of Jesus Christ and probably we make more in a week than they would make in a whole year. It's not about money. It's about our hard attitude in serving the Lord. So as you and I leave today, if you do get a chance to give somebody, do it because you love the Lord. But remember, the one thing that we are called to do is go share our Jesus with somebody. There are ills of this world that there's only one cure for, and that is Jesus himself. He is the Savior. Let's go out and share them. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, this was a little, little difficult to talk about, only because people get so wound up about money. And Lord, there are churches around who try to talk if we can earn our place in heaven or Lord, we can get better uh, situated with you if we would just uh, put more money in the offering plate. And Lord, that's not why we do it. We do it because you deserve it. We love you. And anything we give is a blessing to us. And Father... Um, we know for a fact, and I'm so thankful, Lord, because I've never been rolling in the dough. I'm not a rich man in wealth, but that never once has stopped me from having the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with someone. Father, you know what stops me? Me. Father, I just thank you that we don't have to be wealthy we can be yours. We belong to you anyway. And Father, all the riches of this world are yours. Father, we just have the privilege of serving you. So Lord, help us as we go out into this world, and especially a country that is so fixated on physical possessions, that we remind them that there is so much more to this life than what you have. And Lord, I just thank you uh, where it says that Peter and John just looked at this man and said, silver and gold have I none. Well, what I do have, I can give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, they'd offered healing. Father, that's what we need to do. So Lord, bless us as we go out now. Help us to uh, see an appointment that you've made and be able to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right. We get next week. Come together. Uh, it's not a men's prayer breakfast or a ladies' prayer breakfast week. It is communion. The only reason I say that is because I forgot this last time about it. So, uh, if you don't have a bulletin, grab one to keep it in your memories. And uh, anyway, go out there. Time's getting short, folks. We need to reach out to people with the gospel as much as we can.